Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another informative installment in the series of podcasts highlighting the many possibilities for unmanned technologies. This is where the newsmakers come. Today's installment, first to deploy, UAS for search and rescue and law enforcement. I'm your host, Patrick Egan, and we have our series co-host and author of First to Deploy, Gene Robinson. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Gene, you said you got a little you know, perk in the step today. I could see it. Um, last week's guest, uh, as you recall, we had to, we had to carry on the conversation by ourselves, Gene, and that was a rough one. <laughs> but I guess uh, Ben was fleeing the fires in Colorado, and we're going to have to ask for a rain check, or in this case, a fire check. And we're just glad everyone got out safe. I'm supposed to be in Colorado Springs coming up here soon, so I'll have to I'll get to see some of that devastation firsthand. See what happened there. Um, let's do some current events. <clears throat> I want to recap uh, for everyone the AUVSI, uh, AUVSI Board of Directors election and the SUS News editorial picks. We'll recap those. We got Paul McDuffie, um, Chad Partridge, and Kyle Snyder. And, uh, you know, I think these guys represent the future of where we need to go. You can search uh, for AUVSI on the SUS News website for the candidate statements as well as why they were endorsed. And I think that's important. You should probably uh, check that out. And soon, as uh, voting closes on July 14th, it's important that you get out there and vote. Also, I don't know if you caught it. It was up on the site. It was uh, I wrote a I authored a white paper empowering the public's privacy with ADSB. Gene, did you check that out by chance, or were you busy fishing? No, no, no. I did happen to check that out, Patrick. And, you know, that, that's going to be one of the things that we're going to have to continue to push is the education of, of the public and what they can do to identify when aircraft are in the air. And and uh, I think you mentioned just the app on your cell phone, being able to see what's up there and what's around. I think that's a cool idea. Well, you know, and, and, and like it stated in the paper, I mean, I think that uh, people are just waking up to the fact that, you know, privacy's over and, you know, there's cameras everywhere. It's like that kink song. I forget the name of the the name of that song, but I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that. Um, but I do agree, you know, the, the public needs to know what's cooking. And anybody, you know, that, that notion that, you know, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, you've got nothing to worry about. I mean, that's BS as far as I'm concerned. You know, we don't we don't have to live like that. Oh, I wanted to say uh, happy birthday, USA, 236. And I hope you guys both had a, a good 4th of July. Relax. It was quite pleasant not having to do anything for once. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. And the other big news is I'm a connection with Kimberly Gafoe from uh, Fox News, now on LinkedIn. And that's the big news of the week. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving along. I want to uh, extend a warm welcome to Marcus Min. He is the lead generation guru for Technology Training Corporation. 
and he's agreed to come on. He's 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 short on time, but he he agreed to come on and uh, give us a little insight into Technology Training Corporation and uh, some of the um, symposiums that they put on. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Patrick and Gene. How's it going, buddy? Have a good Fourth of July. It was quiet. Uh, took a couple of days off. Finally got away from the office and uh, had a vacation, and uh, now we're back. And it's weird coming back to the work in the middle of the week. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. Well, okay. So you know, for the audience here, I bring these guests on, and you're one of the guests we brought on. And I know you've uh, going back a few years. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where we met, but I remember the first time we met in person was uh, at a UAS West in 2009, I think, in Vegas. Yeah, we actually met through the Unmanned Systems Group in LinkedIn, and then you and uh, you, I think I was blogging about how Unmanned Systems should be called RPAs, and you invited me to your RPA group, and we started uh, talking via LinkedIn, and then we actually got a chance to meet up at the UAS West in Vegas. And that was a that was a good show. I remember getting up there asking a question, and I coined the shooting overseas <laughs> contingency operation when it when the nomenclature had changed. Um, yes. <laughs> that one always that still cracks me up till today. But hey, you know, I guess it's all a PR thing. Okay, well, for the benefit of the audience, Marcus, maybe you could give us a little bio on yourself and uh, how you got to be the the lead gener- generation guru that you are today. I got hired here at LinkedIn at uh, Technology Training Corporation as a marketing manager, and uh, the president of the company, William Budding, saw my uh, people skills, I guess, or go-getter skills, as my way of uh, going out there to different uh, conferences and whatnot, meeting people, gathering information, bringing some lead generations, not only for attendees but future prospects of vendors, and actually some, and now a little bit more about speakers like yourself who has spoken at several of our conferences. Um, just the kind of person I am, going out there and you know starting things on my own and just going to get the business. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys are, uh, you know, everything that you talked about, you. Uh, for me, you know, uh, I had heard about your shows, the Technology Training Corporation shows, and, uh, you know, people were this and that and him and Han. But I got to tell you, the zenith moment for me is that one in Vegas. I'm sitting there, or not sitting there, but I'm standing there uh, back with the refreshments, and I'm sidebarring with a general from the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I like to go to the top tier shows because I like to talk to the top tier people. And that's, I believe, about as top tier as it gets, you know. Uh, so I, I knew at that point, I, I knew you guys were serious and you weren't horsing around. And, and you know, that leads me to my next question, uh, Marcus, uh, without giving away secrets. How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you draw these types of folks in, these top tier folks in? Well, we're more of a technical kind of group, I, I guess you could say, the nitty-gritty we, uh, sorry, there's another phone call coming in. On no problem. Um, we target those that are like senior level engineers. We're more about the systems, for example. That's why it's called unmanned aircraft systems rather than vehicles. Um, we grab, you know, chief technical officers there who will come in and give a technical brief rather than a sales pitch. Um, this is nothing lagging or nothing disrespectful to any of our competitors, but. We try to keep who we say we're going to have when we confirm somebody. Like, for example, back in 
the first week of April, we had um, the, you know, the Secretary of the Navy come out and speak, and he was confirmed on the brochure. He was confirmed through our agendas, through our emails, and he stayed all the way through. And we're very fortunate that we, a lot of times when we have a speaker that we say was confirmed, they actually stay on board. Now, you know, due to, like everybody else, there's times where we'll actually lose a speaker, but we always find a great substitution or replacement for that speaker that we lost that will stay within that program, whether it be BAMS or or or, or Global Hawk or the Raven or, or for the U.S. Army, Navy, Air Force, or the Marines. That's something that we've always been able to do. And I think now people are starting to realize that you know, the value for the dollar of everyone going to these conferences is people are going to their bosses and saying, hey, I need to go to this conference, and the boss will say, well, why? Well, because we can network. We'll network with who? At least when they come to our conferences, they'll know that they network with the right people. These are the buyers. These are the guys that actually are in acquisition that have the checks that can that purchase things, or these are the guys that are technical enough that will know what programs or what information or answers to any of the problems that are out there. Right. And, you know, even uh, besides the technical people, I mean, you know, you got the Secretary of the Navy, uh, which is, you know, top tier person. Now, I was a speaker at UAS West uh, earlier this year, and that was a heck of a show. I mean, you know, we had two Congress people speaking at the same show, and you know, you're talking about technical people and being able to sidebar with them. Well, you know, here I'm at the show, and I, it was uh, Duncan Hunter and Susan Davis. That's and right. I was I was able to ask after they were done speaking. I asked for some assistance, and I was going to try and do a whole show without mentioning the FAA at all. But I guess that's impossible. But uh, I had asked both of them, uh, their office, for assistance um, with the getting on these the uh, Arc 2.0, and both of them agreed. So I mean that's the, that that's the that's what I'm talking about with these technology training corporation shows. I mean you know you got you get two Congress people, you know. Uh, uh, it, that's that's a that's a that's a good thing. It's, I mean, well, you're getting your money's worth. We've been fortunate to have a couple of senators and a couple of congressmen. Um, like I said, we had the Secretary of Navy. We also had the uh, president of Boeing Phantom Works make his first public appearance at our last unmanned aircraft systems East conference. So we've been uh, building a good repertoire of speakers, and our our reputation has been going up and up and up. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's definitely cost versus value there. I mean, it's uh, if you go to the show, there's only several shows I go to a year, and it's you know yours is one of them because uh, you you definitely get your money's worth. Now, you know, I wanted to ask you too because a lot of people talk about this. You know, there's this social media thing, and is anybody making any money? And is it working for you? Have you been working that social media angle, or is it just kind of a coincidence? Because like I noticed that there were a, a lot of my LinkedIn connections were at your show um, I do work the social media as far as LinkedIn uh, I'm not a big believer in Facebook although we're starting to get into it but I, I think LinkedIn is the key to networking and marketing any of your product services or anything like that there's professional groups you can get into you blog articles you blog your your observations or your opinions and you can get great feedback and vice versa uh, as far as conferences another site that I use is called Lanyard, L-A-N-Y-R-D. And through Lanyard, it, it, you use your Twitter. Uh, though Twitter is something that's a little, I still believe personally that it's more of a college thing of, you know, what am I doing now? Uh, it does help, and there's a lot of people who follow Twitter, and they follow, if you get the right followers, like from CNN, who follow CNN, who follow, you know, 
AVSI who follow technology training or IDGA or who follow, you know, Boeing, Rockwell, oh, I'm sorry, Rockwell Cause. I still call it Rockwell because my father used to work at Rockwell. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, the Air Force, the Army, you, you, you start following them, they start following you, you start tweeting your, or tweeting, sorry, your information or whatever you have, and then through Lanyard you can, you can tweet your conferences. So what I like to do is I like to find an article that has something to do with unmanned aircraft systems, like, for example, I'm sorry to bring it up, but the FAA and Congress finally, quote-unquote, saying that they're going to think about allowing uh, uh, UAVs or UASs in the air, commercial airspace. You tweet that, and you tweet, the, you know, Patrick Egan is going to be speaking at the unmanned aircraft systems west, or the FAA will be discussing things at the UAS uh, west conference. I, I do think it works. But there's nothing that beats the old-fashioned going out there, meeting, shaking your hand. They see your face. They have a name, and they have a face, and they know who you are and if you're a real person or not. Nothing beats right. that. Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, and your take on that, too. It's kind of like a pluser, but you still need to get out there. And I've noticed that with you, you know, uh, how you interact with the participants and attendees. You're, you're really comfortable with the crowd, and I, I think people pick up. Uh, you're, you're a genuine guy. Your business, I think people see that in you. And uh, <clears throat> it's, it's definitely something I noticed uh, with you talking to people at the show. And is that... You know, part of your professional ethos, your philosophy, is is that just kind of the guy that you are? I have a little bit of both, you know. I mean, I'm, I am a little bit of more of a social butterfly, so to speak. But uh, I, I believe, you know, I'm not afraid to walk up to somebody, shake their hand, introduce myself, get to know them. I mean, I started in this industry as a job, you know, it was a paycheck. And then now it's become more of an a passion of, of going out there and meeting people and more because I believe this is where everything's going to go. I think eventually, and I, I know I'm going to take some heat for this, but I think eventually a lot of things will become more remote controlled rather than an actual airline pilot in the cockpit. I think mm-hmm. eventually, maybe not for the commercial flights as far as passenger planes, but I, I do believe essentially cargo planes, for example, FedEx, UPS, those kind of things, will become more of a remote control piloted thing. And and, mm-hmm. and that's something that I believe in. And to be honest with you, I, I and this is I think why you and I, you know, get along so well. Is I, I believe in the small businesses going out there and getting their share of that commercial airspace or that airspace in general. Yeah. And, I and that's I, a big thing for the future because I think that's where UAVs are going to be. Yeah, and I and I definitely agree. And and that was another thing I noticed at uh, at the UAS West show is you know I had a, a pro biz, business message, and uh, everyone there is like you know what <clears throat> we are ready to get to business. We are ready to make money. We're ready to go and. Uh, you know, I think that's where uh, people are, are waiting. I know that um, that's kind of one of Gene's beefs, although he doesn't really have any beefs, do you, Gene? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Happy as a clam over there. Um, all right, well, and, you know, the, 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 the other thing I wanted you to do, uh, Marcus, if you could, could you could you give uh, people uh, the web address so they can check out some of these uh, some of these upcoming shows? Yeah, I mean, for one thing, for for our main corporate side, you can go to www.ttcus.com. That's Tango Tango Charlie Uniform Sierra.com. Uh, if you're interested in specifically the UAS conferences, we have them on both coasts. You can go to www.uasdwest. 
www.uaseast.com and www.uaseast.com. And you can see the two different conferences, the two different speakers. It's very different. The East Coast is a little bit more policy-driven. Um, as a vendor, possible vendor or an attendee, it's a little bit more the checkbook acquisition guys, the decision-making guys that say, oh, yeah, I want that product. Here's my check for blah, blah, blah. In the West, you have those guys, but you also have the end users because you get a lot of people who, you know, we're in Nevada. We're not that far from Creech and uh, uh, Nellis where these guys go out there and they actually fly the UAV so they, they can come and give feedback at the conference. So they'll speak about what's working and what's not working, what they need and what they don't need. And I think one of the biggest props, and I know I'm giving a shout-out, is to the Solipsis, the Zeus program. That's been something that's really been big out in the UAS West area. Well, and uh, and are you? Uh, do they have like a um, directory on that web page where people can get in touch with you? You want to give your email? I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. Those. Well, if you, those who want to reach me, you can reach me at my email. Is my first initial M as in Mike, and then my last name again, Mike India November at ttcus.com. That's M M I N at ttcus.com. If you want to email me any questions. Um, whether it be exhibiting, attending, possibly speaking, uh, just in more information, please just reach out. and Or you can reach me through Patrick. You can do that. You can uh, email me, and I will forward uh, your contact on to Marcus. If you're interested in seeing what kind of, um, let's say, programs are happening at their shows, you can download my PowerPoint from UAS West on my LinkedIn page. Or you can email me again, and I can send you the link. You could check it out. Marcus, I know you've got some uh, uh, lead generation to do. You have a short time, so I'm going to let you go. I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks a bunch. I hope you had a good time. I did. Thank you very much, Patrick. I appreciate it. And, Gene, good to finally meet you. <laughs> Marcus, take care, and we'll see you at the show. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, and, uh, you know, we're going to move on now, Gene. Um Let's see here. You know, we're uh, this the podcast series is still looking for a sponsor. If you know anyone, don't keep it a secret. There's uh, tons of um, business development going on out there, and, I, and I'm kind of uh, find it hard to believe we don't have a sponsor. Maybe some. Yeah, too. that is that, that is kind of odd because I I would have thought that someone by now would have really jumped on this. We put a lot of good information out there, and uh, it's been kind of fun doing it. It has been fun. It's kind of, I mean, I look at the uh, the numbers, and even last, like over the, even yesterday, we had about 200 people download uh, the different podcasts and listen to them. And, uh, you know, the day before, it was like another 200. You know, I think we have nine of them or something on the scoreboard, eight or nine. I don't know. Anyway, check them out. It's a good legacy uh, uh, advertising piece. But, you know, enough pooch pit in there. I want to I want to move right into the next segment here and the big news and you know the the milestone that you hit as far as I'm concerned this is the industry's first real how to unmanned aircraft systems application handbook and it's available to the public so you know I, I, as a, just as a news thing you know we've we've hit a milestone but how does it feel to be a published author well, to be quite honest with you, it it doesn't feel much different, but I can tell you I never thought that it would take this much effort and this much time to put together something that I speak about on a daily basis. <laughs> and, well, and seriously, it, it's almost 
I, I hate to, to be, you know, use the female end of it, but it was like having a baby because I didn't think we were ever going to get it out. And it kept going on forever and ever. The edits and uh, the cleaning up, I thought I wrote pretty well until my editor got a hold of it. and I kind of felt like it was written by a fifth grader after they were done with it. So, uh, yeah, it was, it, it's been quite the experience to to put all this together and you write, you know, 50,000, 60,000 words and it gets pared back down to 40,000 words and you're going, wait, you're rewriting my book. What's going on? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I don't know, sometimes I notice, too, when I get real busy and I'm trying to write three, four different things and, you know, same deal. I'm trying to keep notes for a book, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm just, uh, and some people might have noticed, I start putting out some real uh, things that need some extra editing. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, I know that was a tough one and you, uh, I, I don't know. But I, I know it's a little arduous. I'm glad it's finally out there. Um, now, you know, I read the advanced copy, and I just got a real copy. But, you know, I've, I've been kind of busy with some uh, other things. Are, were there any notable changes in, in the final uh, final? I, I hate to admit this. Uh, as far as the content was concerned, the content really didn't change that much. However, I will have to admit that after the edits were done and I read over it again, it did read a lot better and it was a lot smoother. So, you know, I, I have to give them credit. They do what they do well. And uh, getting the extraneous these and that's and therefores out of there just really made it sound a lot better. And in the end, it, it made the entire book a lot better. But I will say that it's still an ongoing process. They're they're still saying that there's more that they could do, and the the beauty about it being an ebook is that we can put the new version up, and really nobody even notices until they download it. And if they've already downloaded, they've read it, and uh, they've laughed at some of my my grammar and my mistakes. But uh, those folks that uh, get it as we edit it will be getting a more polished version, and we're continuing to do that. Yeah, well, it's a process, and I know, you know, if nothing else, you know, you got to get a few sets of eyes on these things, and, you know, you start uh, rolling through there. Um, I have to reread my stuff several times. If I don't, <laughs> stuff slips through there, and I don't really have anybody editing my stuff. I used to have the, uh, my my wife edit some of that stuff, although she used to, smirk and grimace and beat me up and I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> so, I just I have to... Yeah, you're like, all right, I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's kind of a, a funny thing. It's good to have uh, someone objectively look at it. Um, okay, now, I know it was a fast launch. Uh, we had talked about it. We'd been... You'd been working on it and uh, everything else. And I was just wondering, you know, did it correspond with any other special occasion or were you just like, hey, you know what, I, let's just put it to bed. Let's put it in the can. Let's get it out. You know, that was more it than anything else because you can work on a project until the cows come home. And you, there, there have, you have to reach a point where you finally say, this is done. Or I'm going to get this out, at, you know, next day and let people read it, and then we'll take the feedback and work from there. And to be honest with you, this worked out pretty well because we've sent a couple of complimentary copies out to some of our favorite people, and uh, we've gotten some 
comments back that were pretty good. And as we had discussed last year when we were even kicking the idea around of putting this book together, we thought about just doing nothing but missions. And I've already gotten some comments back saying, you know, the missions were really great. Are you going to do one with nothing but missions in there? So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take a deep breath and, and uh, sit down in front of the old typer again and start typing about uh, – I've got about 10 missions that I would like to see in print that I think that people would find enjoyable uh, just from, you know, the human perspective, uh, even – as macabre as they can be, there's still some some humor that can be found in it. And, of course, there's a lot of technical data to be had, too. Yeah, and, and you know, that was the one thing I was saying with the even the advanced copy. You know, the thing kind of uh, begs to, uh, let's say, be transformed into a training manual. And I think we had kind of talked about that early on. And, I, and <clears throat> so, yeah, you may have to kind of go back, you know, uh, but that's okay. You know, take a little break, do a little fishing, go back and uh, turn that puppy into a, a real training manual. I think, uh, you know, the, the community is really thirsting for information. And, and like I was saying about this being a milestone is there are no t- how to, um, how do you apply this? I mean, I get these questions all the time, you know, well, how exactly does that work? You know, well, here's here's a book that will give you those case studies. We'll talk about what you need to do. There's so many, you know, there's so many different nuances or, you know, little details that, that come with experience that uh, even after reading your book, uh, it would be something that someone would have to take out in the field and almost, you know, take let's say, a page from the book and say, okay, well, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try these different things that Gene's talking about here and see how that kind of works for me. Um, and I think that, you know, they they could uh, they could just keep getting more and more out of that book. I mean, would you would you think that that would be a good way to maybe apply that book? Absolutely. Take it out of the film? You know, you know that's, and, and you talk about revisiting the book. There, the, the experience, the eight years experience that we have flying in the NAS and doing search and rescue, search and recovery is sort of a double-edged sword. We've done it so long, it, it's become rote. To us. Mm-hmm. I don't even really think about some of the processes that we do. And as we've gone through this book and we've written some of the processes out in longhand and had to dissect them, each and every one, to see what's going on, I discovered that there were little tweaks and little things that could be done as we went. And we've taken them out to the field, and sure enough, they work. So, yeah, the the training manual situation is definitely something that that has to be looked at. And there are people that are already interested in that to turn it into some sort of syllabus. Um, I think the the addition of more missions, more environments, different places that we've been, interesting places like Mongolia. Uh, and Mexico and, and, and Jamaica. I mean, there's just not every day that you hear about people flying a spectra flying wing in the, on the steps of Mongolia looking for the tomb of Genghis Khan. So no. that's that's pretty good. That's a good application there. And then uh, there are some things that we did in Jamaica that were not so much UAS related, but uh, uh, they were. It's a good story. It, you know, unfortunately, it's. It's driven by the loss of someone's, you know, brother, but 
you, know, you, you have to t- kind of take all that in stride, or you just you go crazy trying to do this work. Yeah, well, you know, there, there's some points in there that you're that uh, you're making that I think I want to expand on, and and that is, you know, when like you said, you got eight years of experience. There's a lot of stuff that's probably become second nature to you, and I notice too that uh, the different people in this field, when they're talking to, let's say. Uh, people who don't really know the technology and you listen to them speak and they just are rattling the stuff off like it's second nature, you know, it's instinctive and it's like hitting these people with the fire hose. And I'm sure that there's, there's a lot of that too. Like you said, when you were writing the book, uh, coming through there and go, Hey, you know, I forgot about this or I forgot about that or X, Y, Z or how you do this or whatever else. And I think, uh, you know, even going back and thinking about that and turning that into a manual, probably extract more of that. And those are the little details, you know, it's like that, that, that last 20%, uh, the details that are, that really are hard to nail down, but really, uh, pull things together. Now, the other thing with that, you know, I was thinking about doing a, um, I had I had mulled this one over with Gary, but even doing a uh, a video type of training uh, videos, you know, or a series of them or whatever else, man, that uh, you get that manual together and a syllabus together. I think you could put together a training program, put it on video, and then also take the show on the road and start training people on on, on how to really uh, ring ring the last dollar out of their system, especially now that law enforcement's ready to roll. Any plans like that? You know, that's an excellent idea. I've always been kind of a big proponent of CDTS, or computer-directed training systems. Mm-hmm. And uh, the online systems have expanded to the point, as you know, when we did with uh, our cap of using uh, the Flash plugins and that sort of thing, you can really do some incredible stuff with it. And being able to use streaming video now, you can actually go out into the field, you can you can take the video, you can see what's happening and get an explanation at the same time. I think it's a great idea. I think that uh, if if you could find someone to sponsor that sort of thing and put together that entire uh, series, uh, it, it would be very helpful to law enforcement, fire, and first responders. These, pe- these people are, are trying to figure out what the best way is to spend their FEMA money, their grant money, and, and this would help them make better decisions. Yeah, you know, I thought about maybe teaming with a university that's got like some sort of film production. Because, um, you know, really, you know, there are a lot of technologies out there now where you can produce a lot of this stuff yourself. But, you know, you get, you get a crew that, you know, knows sound, who know how to roll the camera and can edit. And, you know, the teleprompter makes you look like uh, you know what you're talking about. A couple of folks are using them, but it, uh, they do work. Um, you can speak to the camera and stuff. And you notice that a lot of the, the, the lower productions, people are reading off of a script and, uh, you know, yada, yada. So it would be nice to do a real production uh, that you could get out there. And then, yeah, again, you know, uh, put that together with some, some live training. Uh, I think it would be a slam dunk, money maker. It's low-hanging fruit, especially with all of the um, – Police departments coming online, that would be a real uh, foot in the door for them, especially with the privacy issues, uh, to say, okay, well, we're going to use this for search and rescue. And every every town has, like, we have, like, a, a DART, which is that they, they were the water rescue people, and 
we have groups that go out and look for missing people and whatever. Like you guys say, I mean, you do some work with uh, that Texas EquiSearch, right? Yes, we've done plenty of work with Texas EquiSearch, and they they have a lot of different technologies that they bring to bear, like side-scan sonar. And, and just because it's water doesn't mean that we don't get, get called in because we have two water recoveries to our credit as well. But I saw those that pictures. Exposure, yeah, that, that exposure to, to that sort of environment has been really, really helpful in formulating how we approach searches as well. Well, yeah, you're working with uh, other professionals, and I'm sure, you know, you fit into a, a certain part of that and, and what the process is and how the process works and who you talk to and and how to uh, efficiently apply the different assets, you know. Um, I, I And I think that that's uh, that, that translates in the book, too, and people can read that, and you're getting, again, it's distilled down. You don't have to... Spend the next five years doing it. You uh, you call uh, Gene and uh, you get a copy of his book and you go through there and you, you you learn through his experience. And that's you know that's what we're trying to do at UAS News too. It's is impart that knowledge, the empirical knowledge on people, so they don't have to uh, reinvent the wheel. And I and I think that it's uh, you distilled it down, you put it in the book. It's a great deal. Um, How's it being received? Are you are you uh, are people downloading? Are people checking it out? Um, what, yeah, what? I think that the, the the I think the real issue right now is, is yes, we're getting some folks that are downloading it, and I'm getting some very positive comments back. Again, you know, like I said, the missions comment has been the most prevalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had uh, a couple of manufacturers download the book, and and they said it was very good. And they're they're looking at integration that sort of thing, which gives them some ideas to to move ahead on. So, well received, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I think has kind of slowed us down a little bit is we released it on July second, which <laughs> July fourth happens to fall in the middle of the week, and everybody's either taking Monday Tuesday off or for a long weekend, or they're going to take Thursday Friday off for a long weekend. So. We've got to get over that holiday situation and get people back into the groove again, and then we'll probably see a lot more input. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's, I've had some folks read it that that I gave, I let them read it with great trepidation because I consider them to be very, very uh, well-established writers and, and have a lot of expertise in that field, which I do not. And uh, they said that it was well-written, and they liked it. Uh, you know, obviously a few tweaks here and there that uh, need to be done, which my editors are working on. But, you know, other than that, I've been very pleased with, uh, with the comments that we've gotten. Yeah, the week might be a little rough, but as soon as you're on Oprah, and I know that uh, Oprah's people called you and you're scheduled to go. <laughs> I don't think I'll be jumping the couch on Oprah anytime soon. <laughs> Really? Hmm. I figured it'd be right up her, uh, right up her viewers' alley. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, well, you know, uh, it is a rough weekend, and also summertime. Uh, I, I notice it's really hard to pin guests down in the summertime and this week, and people being off, kind of like Marcus was saying too, with you know coming back to work in the middle of the week, trying to catch up, and the phone calls and the emails is driving me schnuts. I got telecons all day myself, but. Um, you know, that's good news that it's uh, being well-received. I knew it would be. Um, you know, you got the goods. It's it's hard to uh, 
um, put that all down and what's important and what to leave out. But, you know, it's good. People can get it. They can read it over the summer. And then, uh, again, you know, if you need to come back and revisit it. Plus, I think in the future, um, as you progress and you go on, there might be a, a part two or whatever. So, you know, just keep your eyes out peeled for that. I know that um, I wanted to talk about also that we are doing a uh, promotion. SUS News is doing a promotion. And our audience listening, uh, writing, or I'm sorry, reading or writing. I mean, you can always write something for SUS News and, sub- and submit it. We may even print it. You never know. But uh, our audience has a chance to win a free copy of the book. Um, if you go on to Facebook, our, our Facebook page, and like us, we're going to pick at least one random winner that likes us during the month of July, and uh, you'll get a um, free download of First to Deploy. And you can't, you can't beat, beat that. that. No, yeah, every, can't beat that. Everyone loves free. Um, some people, it may not uh, be your cup of tea. Some guys are doing other stuff. I would suggest even people that are, are, are just uh, going to use this for whatever, ag, um, even aerial photography, whatever, get the book, read some of the processes that are in there because it's going to give you some food for thought. It's going to save you some time. That was one thing I noticed even doing the aerial photography, you know, learning the, let's say, the cone of view from my camera and what angle and what height and the time of day and, you know, all these all these considerations I think those are in your book, and they overlay onto other applications. You, you agree? Yeah. I mean, when you get right down to it, Patrick, we're just really being photographers, uh, and we've just changed the tripod up a little bit, and the tripod is you know several hundred feet in the air rather than sitting right in front of us, which makes it a little bit more of a challenge. And that's a part of taking aerial photography. You've got to keep up with all those variables. Yeah, there's that, and there's also, um, I would say it, it's, you know, people are, I, I noticed some people would be jumping on to new systems and a new system and a new system, but the thing is, is really, you know, um, you have to pick the right system for your application, and you have to learn that system, and even getting the, the right shot, you know, is uh, is kind of a, it, it's a perishable skill. Um, I noticed that for myself. It's like you got to keep getting on that. I, I even hardly fly. It's just kind of ridiculous. I took the cracker barrel out, and it's been in the box for two years, and the wing was all warped, and the kids wanted to fly. The, the robotics club wanted to fly it, and it, <laughs> it needs some work. Let <laughs> just put it that way. But uh, it is perishable. But, but I do think that that overlays, uh, and I think that you impart some excellent um, – procedures and whatnot uh and, and and people would gain even if that's the SAR thing is not their thing. Yep. Um well, you know, you're gonna have to keep us aware of that. Hopefully next week we're gonna try and get Peter von Blyenberg on. He said he would do it, although he's he's out of town too. Um that should be an interesting forty five minutes we're gonna talk about uh the global airspace integration effort Four corners of the world, China, India, South America, Russia, Europe, of course. Uh, We're going to talk about the IKO process, EuroK, European Commission. We'll 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 probably run long on that one. That'll be that'll be difficult to uh, cram that all into 45 minutes, but we're going to give it a whirl. 
The last thing yep. I wanted to talk about, Gene, was uh, I noticed that you were um, you grabbed one of those X8s, which is uh, for you should look a little familiar. And I know you're working it over uh, at groups. I saw that. I'm kind of impressed. I'm seeing you're uh, you're putting your years of experience in that. You you, you want to give us the skinny on that? Sure. You know when they <clears throat> when they announced that aircraft back last December. Uh, I could obviously see the similarities, but uh, when they really? announced, oh yeah, just a little. But but when they announced the price of the uh, the aircraft, at uh, I think the opening price was one hundred and sixty nine dollars. Uh, I sent them an email and said I wanted to buy a dozen of them, and uh, that didn't receive uh, any sort of comment at all from them. I don't know why, but uh, it may be that uh, they they didn't want to answer the guy that they spent the most time on his website. So I had to wait this long to actually get one. And, you know, they, they've done a lot of really good things with this. We've discussed how, you know, the, the PAC-RIM and, and the uh, Asian countries are going to be coming up in, in UA and in UA technology and because they're so good at reverse engineering things that have already been done. And they've done that with this wing. And it's a it's a nice wing. It's perfect for a hobbyist to start out with. And my approach was is what would I need to do to take it out into the field and make it work for me and make it useful for me? Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been doing, and we've gotten a long way on it. It's probably going to maiden this week. Uh, a lot of the work is done for you, obviously, with the, the EPO construction. It's going to be tough. We've toughened it up a little bit more because uh, we, we know that we can be really hard on aircraft. So it's it's a good aircraft. I'm I'm going to say that right now. From the out from the outset, it looks good. Uh, the X5 has gotten panned quite widely as not being a very good flyer, and I'm hmm. hoping that it's not a knockoff of the X5. I th- I hope that they've made some improvements on the X8 to make it a better flyer. Uh, initial reports are looking good, so uh, we're continuing on with with our improvements to it. Uh, adding aluminum spars and doing reinforcing and doing the ABS. I've already made the molds for the ABS kit plates and that sort of thing. So looking forward to getting that one in the air. I think it's going to be – my impression is, is that it's going to be a good flyer. Well, you know, I mean, we had talked about that before, but it's a situation – I like I said, I've seen the improvements that you're making. Um, the years of experience are shining right on through there. I can see that. And uh, – you know, maybe they'll, uh, they say, what is that? Imitation is the best form of flattery. Uh, be nice, I guess, if you could uh, get some improvements on that and you got something that you could actually work with. I know you, you're a manufacturer, but uh, I don't know how you're going to beat 169 bucks. you know. It's got to be a tough one. I know you don't get as robust a bird, but... When you can uh, throw several birds at it for the same price that you'd spend on one, I mean, you kind of uh, have to look at that. Attrition is not as big of a deal, especially if you can protect your equipment. And uh, it looks like it's going to be quite capable of protecting the equipment. Again, the proof is going to be in the pudding. I plan on taking the aircraft out and get some altitude and pointing the nose right straight at the alfalfa just to see if, we can get the dreaded flap or the flutter going on. That's been, always been a problem with the wing and, and uh, not being able to make the wing stiff enough to keep it from fluttering when it gets into a certain unusual attitude. And 
we always get them in unusual attitudes, and if they if they sputter <laughs> catastrophically, we're going to lose some equipment, and that's just not a good thing to do. No, but you know, hopefully uh, you'll get something that uh, is at least usable and uh, it'd be nice if you could uh, work with one of these companies i know that uh, a lot of them are kind of independent it's it's a kind of a funny thing you know the progression they've uh, got on the boards they've obviously seen what the community wants and is using um, and tried to build to that uh, be interesting if you could uh, we could get these things nailed down and, uh, you know, you guys could use something like that. I don't know. It would be great collaboration, but who knows? But uh, moving out into the future, you could spend more time on um, finding people than building planes or, let's say, doing uh, engineering work for people for gratis. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'd like to, you know, I wish you all the success with the book. We're coming down here on 30 seconds. I, You know, I, I, I'm... Uh, I'm going to be able to say that uh, I knew Gene when <laughs> before he was a uh, you know author of a best-selling book. Um, I, I wish you all the greatest success with it, Gene. Um, I think again you've you've done something for the community. It's a real milestone. Good luck with that, buddy. Uh, you know, and I guess we'll uh, we'll talk again next week. Okay, sounds good, and I've uh, I've enjoyed the show, and it was great having Marcus on, and the guy seems really dynamic, and you should check out his shows. See you next week. Bye.